Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Live Let Thrive. What is up, Micah, man? I'm chilling, Stevie Stats. It is a halfway beautiful day. But yeah, I'm chilling. I'm doing good. How about yourself? <laughs> Every day is a beautiful day, man. Um, we're above the dirt. That's all that matters. I am doing pretty good. Uh, Federico's been to town, so we've been setting up a couple units. And um, yeah, man, he's a, he's 100 miles an hour, that guy. So I have to keep up. Oh. And he's like seven foot tall, so it takes long strides. I got to track him down. Uh, <laughs> we're, we have a special guest today on this episode 158 of your favorite Airbnb, 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 VRBO, Turo, Lyft, all that stuff, share economy podcast in the world. And we have a special guest and his name is Kevin Knight. And I have a little bio on Kevin. He was nice enough to write me. Kevin began his career in the vacation rental industry in 2014, serving 11 years in the Marine Corps. Thank in the Marine Corps. Thank you for your service, Kevin. Uh, Kevin worked for Vacasa and Turnkey Vacation Rentals from 2014 to 2019 before launching a small consulting business working directly with homeowners. In July 2020, Kevin launched Patriot Vacation Rentals in Big Bear Lake, California, and continues consulting for a small group of clients. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Honored to be here. <laughs> I have one question out of the gate because you mentioned Vacasa on there, right? Yes, and sir. and and my and a buddy of mine was asking about South Padre Island, and um, you know, he's never gone. He wanted to go check it out in April, so I said, "Yeah, check out Airbnb. There's some good ones. I'll send you some good ones." He goes, "Man, you know, these these are really nice, but man, those fees. I mean, there's so many fees on the Airbnb site." But I, he goes, "He." I went to, I looked at one that was being run by Vacasa and I went to the Vacasa page and it was way cheaper, man. I don't know. So they get away with not charge, not charging the guests all those fees or what happens? Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of it. I know they do charge some booking fees um, to the guests, but I do think that they, they're offering kind of reduced fees through direct bookings. Okay. And so Vacasa, I don't know if it's market specific or if it's across the whole company, but I know that they're always testing out, you know, different ways to increase bookings. Okay. Cause yeah, man, it was going to save them like a couple hundred bucks booking through Vacasa as opposed to the Airbnb site. It was Interesting. crazy. Yeah. Unpl- unplanned Vacasa plug. Right <laughs> <out the gate. laughs> but he took it a step further and found uh, the, the owner owner. So anyway, he cut them all out. You know what I'm saying? Oh, but- <laughs> nice. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah. One more, one more thing on, on Vacasa. Is that, is that a site that they just, they pretty much, you know, rent your place from you and then they furnish it and they rent it out. And so they leave you out of, I mean, you just, you just get a cut or what? So as an owner, you're coming to them typically with a fully furnished um, vacation rental. Most of their homes have been operating as rentals previously, and then they'll take over for the other management company. Um, but they, they aren't usually furnishing them. They're doing a, a revenue share commission split model with the owners. Okay. So there's, yeah, they're just managing it for you. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yep. Cool, and and cool. they do offer services for like interior design and some other a- uh, additional services that I don't know too much about, but I know that they do offer um, a suite of services for the homeowners. 
Because they're big in Padre. I see their signs everywhere. I see Vecasa everywhere in Padre. Oh, yeah. They're huge out there for sure. Now, yeah. now Vecasa, do they mainly target, like, the vacation rental markets? Or, like, are they in, like, Dallas, Houston, places like that? I think that they're, they really do a lot better in the vacation rental markets. Um, I think operationally, as you know, it's more challenging in uh, more urban markets, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's where their strong suit is, but they are in a lot of larger markets. I mean, I think they're in a few hundred markets in, a, in the continental U.S. alone. So they have, I think, 26,000 properties or something under management. Huge. Wow. A lot so, of acquisitions. So what did you learn from Bay Casa to implement into your own business? And could you go into what your business is and what you do out in Big Bear Lake? Yeah, definitely. So I, you know, I had the early on in my vacation rental career, I had the opportunity to work with some of the larger companies that were just coming onto the scene like Vacasa and then turnkey vacation rentals also. Um, and so I got to see those companies go through a lot of growth and um, working with homeowners directly. I got to see how that relationship worked. And, um, you know, I was kind of in the middle of all the friction of this exponential growth into some of these markets. And I took a lot from that starting my own company. Um, I think the biggest thing was relationship building and, you know, really setting clear expectations with the customers, uh, both the guest and the owner. Um, as a management company, you have a lot of different customers that you're um, needing to, to please, all with different expectations, some that are contradicting, and you're kind of in the middle trying to play that role of, of pleasing everybody, but also at the same time maintaining integrity to the clients and um, following through with the expectations. So I think that was a big part of it, um, just learning how how it, it all kind of comes together. Um, and then once I realized the relationship is kind of at the heart of the, at the heart of it, that's when I was comfortable on my own and um, have been going ever since. Wow. And what techniques did you like, uh, do you do mainly uh, managing, arbitraging, owning? How do you run your business model? So we, right now we're all um, uh, management commission split. So we're, we're, you know, kind of the traditional vacation rental management company only in Big Bear Lake currently. But as we, as we grow and move into some other markets, you know, we'll look at diversifying um, across some of the different management styles. So I'd like to put, pick up some arbitrage units um, and then buying, of course, also, um, you know, is in, the, is in the works. So I think that's the key is being diversified um you know so that's what i'm heading for okay i'll go, go ahead steve no, i think that's a great way to start is start managing other people's units and you know get to know all the ins and outs of every side of it and then and then you know start getting some of your own i think that's like the perfect way to start you know instead of going and getting one and and not being able to pay rent you know if you are if you arbitrage it back poorly or or if you buy one you don't know what you're doing you lose so much money but you start off managing other people's and learn the ropes and then move into getting your own that's that's a cool way to start yeah and for me i took it you know i started with a company that was really figuring it out and kind of leading the way with a lot of the management strategies so I was piggybacking off of them to, you know, learn the industry. And then I was able to take it a step further, uh, you know, into the next phases. So, I, you know, that's important. I think being an operator, 
is key. The first homes I managed, I was, I stocked them with toilet paper. I cleaned them. I photographed them. I wrote the copywriting for them. Um, it, a lot of it changed over the years as the company grew, but you know, I think getting experience in all the different aspects of the, the management side, that's been, you know, I think the key. So, so has Vicasa been around for a while? How did they get their start? I think they started in two. I want to say two thousand nine. Um, I believe is when they were founded. It, I think that's right. Yeah, two thousand nine. So that's close um, to what Airbnb started, right? Yeah, interest. Yeah, Vacasa. Yeah, right around the same time. Hmm. So, yeah, they were unheard of. They started up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, Eric, who founded Vacasa, Eric and Cliff Johnson. They were the founder and co-founder they first saw the revenue management gap. They saw that management companies were listing one price for the, you know, all the weekdays for the entire year and then one weekend rate. And so Eric had a background kind of in that. And so he launched his first unit, implemented dynamic pricing. And then, you know, they kind of took off from there and are still growing and, and moving along. So, so Wow. Okay. And you said you're going to think about picking up some arbitrages. What markets are you looking at targeting? Are you staying in that big bear area or are you looking around? Our arbitrage, I don't think would do too well in, in big bear. I think, you know, uh, a hybrid of that. I, I like working with the single family homes, larger homes. That's kind of, you know, my sweet spot, I think from an ADR standpoint and just, I like working with the homes rather than a one bedroom apartment. Um, so I like the hybrid where, you're renting a home from an owner at a fixed monthly rent. And then, you know, then you're re-renting it. So kind of the arbitrage model, but at the single family home level. Um, I think that's an interesting model that I could see in the destination market like Big Bear. But for urban, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, San Diego County, uh, maybe some Orange County areas, depending on regulatory, Newport Beach, um, you know, there's some areas that I think could do well if you have the right relationships, you know, with the operations people. Yeah, Newport's hot. Uh, be careful in San Diego, though. They just slashed 70% of their rentals with regulations. So yeah, I heard. I was there actually when they banned them initially back in like 2000. I think it was 2016 or 17, maybe for a period. They banned them, went through court. I think there were some lawsuits and then reinstated rentals. So there's always, you know, volatility, especially in San Diego, man. How, how about for you guys? How's the regulation landscape? <laughs> well, Steve's been shut down. I'll talk about that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, was, I was renting out houses, actually, and my, my own houses. And one was in a, a town called Hearst, a little bitty town called Hearst. And the other one was in, in, in Arlington, which is where the Cowboys Stadium is and all that, and all those stadiums, yeah. Texas Rangers. And so that one was, I mean, they were both making me good money, but that one by the stadiums was making me like, I was making like four grand a month, you know, around three or four grand a month, maybe sometimes five. It was just crazy. And then the the city of Arlington, I get, this is how me and Micah, we looked at the timeline and I sent Micah too. I was sending him messages. I was like, uh-oh, cause I saw like, I was reading business articles and I was like, it's like the billionaires are starting to build hotels in Arlington. 
And there was no hotels in Arlington, hardly like a couple. And so they, they didn't mind Airbnb. But then I was like, the writing's on the wall. Jerry Jones and his boys are building hotels. And he's the next thing you know, they, they banned Airbnb. It's, it's, the timing was strange, you know? And yeah, so, so yeah, so they got shut down. We got shut down in Arlington and, um, and Hearst. And I, I do um, – I do. Dallas is, is still knock on wood. <laughs> Dallas is still Airbnb friendly. And, um, and so we, I, we have like, um, what, five, five of them over there and one in Fort Worth, which is, you know, more long-term rental. So, so yeah, it's just hit or miss over here. Cause Fort Worth span Dallas is all Dallas is wide open right now for right now. And then there's just little cities here and there that are banned. It's just a mix. It's a mix over here. Yeah, and Dallas just announced I've here I've been hearing rumblings about Dallas implementing. But I mean we don't own anything over there. It's all arbitrage, so I think we should be good. But yeah, that's about it. I mean uh, like there but there's a lot of short term rental friendly places in the DFW like Plano, McKinney. And then once you go outside of that, you have like Conroe, Houston, uh those areas. Those are like short term rental friendly areas. Um mm. but yeah, it, it's Texas has been a mixed bag. Like in Austin, it's just like a strict – it's very strict down there, so. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I guess I guess um, might have to make sense as like a long-term 30 days or more rental. And, um, and I just see Airbnb as icing on the cake if we can do it. But if we do get shut down again, at least I can do 30 days or more. You know, pretty much everywhere in the country allows – Knock on wood again. Hopefully they don't ban that next. <laughs> but everywhere yeah, in the right. country allows, you know, 30 days or more anywhere, anywhere you go. So and they have to make sense in, in that regard. Travel nurses, traveling professionals, stuff like that. Definitely. So, so with Big Bear Lake, because I have a few uh, timeshares I rent out out there, with it being so, with it being like, is it pretty, it's pretty seasonal, right? Or Up until COVID it, it was, but we've been at very high occupancy since July, I mean, I think it's one of the hottest markets in the country. Airbnb released that report uh, a few weeks back mm-hmm. and Big Bear was top five um, for markets. So we've been, I mean, December, we were at 98%, which usually were, you know, it's usually full occupancy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, November, December, and January are usually maxed out, but then we've been at 80 to 90 through February. March, we're at about 80%. So we're pacing pretty well for April. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that people are being forced to kind of rediscover their own backyard as far as drive to markets. And so hopefully all the operators are giving them a good experience and they'll keep coming back, you know, so it could change. Um, we'll see though, but it's hot right now. And it's supposed to snow six to 12 inches tonight. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's Big Bear. You're right. Ooh. Yep. Damn. So that'll be good for everyone, all the owners and guests. No, they're there to see snow, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we just had our feel of that stuff. We don't, we don't want to see it for a long time, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it shut down our whole state. Man, glad you guys are safe, yeah. man. It's, whew. Yeah, it was terrible. So the other, the other company you worked for was Turnkey. Uh, explain what they are. Yeah, Turnkey is based out of Austin, actually. Oh, nice. So Turnkey Vacation Rentals, they manage, I want to say, probably close to 10,000 homes by now. Mm. But, you know, I'd say they're, you know, like Vacasa, larger venture-backed. Vacasa's raised, I think, $525 million. Um, Turnkey, I think, has raised 
under a hundred million, but they're up there as well. So they launched a little bit later, different two separate, two separate operating systems, if you will, as far as how they operate. So, but kind of the same type of thing, revenue share management commission split. Hmm. So, yeah, so I seen I saw some signs with um, Turnkey down there in Padre too. <laughs> so I yeah, saw a turnkey, lot of like a yeah. lot of Acasa, but then I saw a few turn, or Turnkeys. So it was interesting. Um, the the larger homes model. How how do you how do you go about like um, designing, decorating, uh, uh, you know, to get the full potential out of a larger home for a family or whoever you're trying to host? Yeah. So it, when I get the home, typically they're already furnished. Um, a lot of them have been operating as rentals. So what I'll usually do is make any recommendations for anything that needs to be, you know, taken care of for wear and tear carpet, maybe like new barbecues. We'll do an assessment of kind of the health of the home and give the owners our recommendations. And, and some of them will be non-negotiable. Like we must have a new kitchen table prior to being able to have guests. So we'll kind of determine what level the home needs to be at prior to the first guest arriving. And then we'll kind of help play project manager with the owner getting that taken care of. Um, like one of our homes right now is having the carpet replaced and a new um, kitchen cabinets put in this week. So we're, we'll block off the calendar and take care of that for the owner. So what, thing or things do you notice like like you said when you do an assessment that most homeowners that are doing you know throwing it on airbnb or whatever are 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 not are doing wrong that are that is leaving a lot of money on the table or what things could what things are the most likely that could be changed that that could that could get them a lot more money yeah i think looking at the condition of the furniture i think um owners or i've seen especially in the arbitrage world that i've peeked into a little is they'll you know try to cut costs where they can of course oftentimes it comes down to the comfort of the furniture or you know the the type of towels or sheets they're using and i think that the the diminute the value knock that you might get over time is going to hurt the average daily rate that you're capable of getting over the kind of long term for the home so I think really looking at it from the guest standpoint, and I always recommend stay in your units um, before you have any guests stay in them and really look at it from the guest perspective. Um, you know, walk around barefoot, see how the floors and carpet feels, um, all of that sort of stuff. You know, I think if you look at it from the lens of a guest and really ask if would this be an inconvenience or uncomfortable to them, I think you really have to be thoughtful about, you know, and intentional about that, and it will pay off. Um, so that's a big part of it. If you have a hot tub, I think if you have an eight occupancy house and a four person hot tub, um, you know, like those little things, mismatched amenities. Um, if you're going to have five bathrooms, have five hair dryers. you know, I think going the extra mile. So the guests know that you're looking after their experience and not just looking after a dollar sign, I think in the, that that's going to be, that's going to be the winning strategy. Nice. Now I have a question. How many, how many units are you currently managing out there in Big Bear Lake? So right now we have eight live with us. Um, we just signed our 12th unit. 
Um, and then we have some units going live in Florida and Tennessee over the next two months as well. Um, but with the same owner from Big Bear. Oh, are you guys going to the Gatlinburg market? Yeah. So she has two, they have two units out in Gatlinburg. So we're um, working on establishing the LLCs in Tennessee and in Florida. Okay. Nice. That's cool. Expanding. It's another hot market. Yeah. Davin, uh, Gatlinburg for sure. The Smoky Mountains. Oh yeah. <laughs> we had some guests on there, man. This is like when we first started our podcast, that first few episodes, we interviewed some Smoky Mountains, um, some people that were doing some Smoky Mountains rentals and they were killing it. I was like, and we thought it was too, too late to get in at that point, man. It's probably the, the prices have doubled or tripled by the, by now. Yeah. I think they're going to keep going up. I think those markets are going to be hot for years to come and it's whoever can provide the best experience from a management standpoint is going to, you know, have a very healthy business. Nice, yeah. Nice. Now on that management side, like so with you handling that many and you have them across multiple markets, uh, how, like, how do you handle your turnovers since you're far away? How do you, how do you build your team? I should say. Yeah. So, you know, and that's a great question and definitely the secret sauce, you know, is the on the ground team. I was fortunate enough in big bear um, that I ha was able to hire a director of operations and partner with him. So he's a partner with the company in big bear. Um, and he's been running operations up there for about six years. Um, I hired him back with Vacasa actually um, when we first started. So I think with him, he, is so familiar with uh, the operational management at the individual unit level that he handles a lot of the manual day-to-day -day operational management. And then our systems that we use for operations management will kind of help with the rest. So we automate a lot of it. Um, and then we have Tim up there taking care of the on the ground. Nice. It's important to have boots on the ground, right? It's, it, it's everything in my opinion, especially with the larger homes, it can be so complicated that you have to have a reliable team. Um, and not just, you know, a motivated team also, as you know, operations can be draining. Mm. And so, and so what is uh, your experience in the military taught you about operations and systems? You know, I think that the biggest thing is inspect what you expect um, I think that you, if you are expecting a level of service or a level of satisfaction or whatever, you need to inspect that work to make sure that you're continuously getting that same level of output. And I think that when you give individuals sometimes the chance to get complacent or cut corners because they know that you're not watching them, I think that that can lead to issues when you're in a intensely like a operationally intense environment so with for example if you're contracting with a housekeeping company and you have like we do an average turnaround of two and a half days where we're at you know 95 percent occupancy for eight units if we aren't inspecting most of those cleans and that team knows that we're not inspecting them corners will start to be cut and we won't find out until we get a bad review. And then we kind of have to peel back a little and 
figure out what went wrong. So I think putting a mechanism in place to be continuously inspecting the quality is important. Um, and it's not that they don't want to do a good job. It's that sometimes we put pressure on them to hurry up or to do too much. And so we need to inspect for our own deficiencies as well, not just a deficiency on the cleaner side. It could be a planning deficiency. And in my experience, um, there are a lot of planning deficiencies at, at a lot of levels. Um, and in our vacation rental industry, there aren't as many checks and balances as in the military per se. So um, it can slip through the cracks a little more if you're not kind of paying attention to that stuff. So I think those are some of the important aspects I've learned. So instead of, so instead of like the cleaners telling you uh, doing 10 units in one hour is impossible. Well, okay. If they want it, we'll go ahead and do it, but it's not going to be the best job. They'll, they'll try it anyways. I mean, I, I don't know if they will try it, but I think that sometimes they do have a tendency to rush through a clean um, and not maybe go through all the details. So I think just, just checks and balances are important. Mm -hmm. You're out. <laughs> and how do, they, how do they respond to like the feedback when you say, hey, we sent someone through, this is dirty, this is dirty, you did this wrong, this is wrong. They don't, they don't come at, they don't get a defensive or they just... I mean, I think that depending on how you approach it, I think it comes back to how expectations were set. Um, and, you know, when I first partnered with her, I let her know the, you know, they knew the importance of the housekeeping apparatus to our company and that we wanted to partner with someone that had the same uh, values as we did and the same, you know, how they want the guests to be treated. And so I think that they appreciate when we bring it up to her because it's also maybe showing her where she could fix some gaps in her company that could make them more efficient. Um, because at the end of the day, you know how important the reviews are. So if, if they're getting reviews are slipping and you know, it allows people to go back and just reassess how, you know, how they're handling the, the process. So we've had some cleans where we had guests complain and they didn't charge us for the clean. Um, because, you know, they felt that, yeah, they should have done that and they didn't handle it. Um, so we call them back a few, you know, maybe once or twice a week um, to, to fix something and they, they usually don't have issues with it. And this is what I'm seeing a lot in the industry is like, like these, these, you know, people are doing management and they're managing more than, you know, five, 10 units they're, they're contracting a, a particular, you know, uh, a, a, clean, a, a cleaning company, right, to do it instead of just using um, like tur uh, turnover B&B, &B, which is, is good if it's like it's one or two maybe. But yeah, they just, they, they, they mentioned that they, they want to find someone with the same values. So that I guess they have a boss to report to in a way. So you could tell, tell that person, hey, your cleaners are kind of messing up over here. And it's just more efficient to just get a, just contract a cleaning company to do all the cleaners for you. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, cleaning is definitely one of the top two or three most important aspects of vacation rent of management, you know, I think that you can make arguments for what's more important, you know, but I think that that's a huge aspect of it. And if you're just finding some random person online that you're hoping is going to show up and clean it, and they're really that last touch point with the guest before they leave a review that's a lot of trust you're putting in someone and not that, you know, you can't trust someone to that degree, but I think that, you know, it's risky 
in, in this industry when reviews drive the bookings so heavily. Hmm. Wow. And, and one question I did have for you, like how, since you're not, since you've hired a cleaning crew, how are you going about handling like the communication between, Hey, it's time to go for a clean. Are you using like a calendar turnover BNB? How are you, how are you, how is your team handling that? So we use breezeway, um, which is breezeway.io is the website. I'm 99% sure that's the website, breezeway.io. They do operational management and task management. They integrate directly with our PMS. And so they're able to pull reservations from the PMS directly into um, the housekeeping app. So as a prerequisite for the housekeeping company working with us, they have to agree um, to 100% adaption rate of using our own app for the cleaning. So they just get their scheduling all through there and it's scheduled a week in advance. So, wow. And which PMS system are you using? I use Guesty. So Guesty, I've used them since I started. I used them a little bit when I was consulting with a few companies and then I've, I've used them since we launched. Okay. And they've worked out pretty well for you? They've been, I mean, they've been fantastic for me. Um, I like them when I use them before and they've always been responsive. They're always, you know, new APIs. I think they were the Y Combinator, uh, like company of the year last year, hmm. the tech company of the year. So, you know, and they've been around a while, as you know, there's new companies that pop up every week. It seems like a new PMS there's, I think over 300 or something now of them, um, wow. total across hotels and arbitrage. So you know, I like a company that's been around a while too. And is Guesty handling like all your guest communication or are you just using them for just the, the management side? Just like, Hey, keep track of the calendar and all that. Or how's that going? Calendar. I, we do some maintenance and task management, um, dynamic pricing. You can do a full dynamic pricing through them as well. Um, but yeah, we use all of that. Um, so everything. Cool. So where do you, where do you see the short-term rental industry going in the next, in the next few years? I mean, I think it'll continue to be more mainstream. Um, you know, when I first started with Vacasa, 80% of the owners I talked to had never heard of Airbnb. Um, the first few owners I signed up, I met through Craigslist through, there used to be a vacation rental tab section. So I would click the vacation rental tab and I would email those owners saying, Hey, you know, there's some new distribution channels that you should check out <laughs> like Airbnb. And, you know, they thought I was a scammer for a few months <laughs> and I kept following up and then we'd sign them and kind of convert them over. Um, in fact, the first owner I signed up with Patriot, I met through Craigslist in 2014, signing her house up. So it's kind of funny how it's come full circle. Um, but I think it will just continue to be more mainstream. I think more companies on the guest services side um like uh, will start coming in and you know sophisticating the industry maybe a little bit more um defragmenting it through acquisitions i think that there's going to be a lot of acquisitions over the next few years as there has been um, but i think on the technology side it'll be interesting to see you know, who's going to, what companies are going to get rolled up into other larger companies. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of changes, a lot of opportunity. 
um, you know, for everybody. That's what I love the most about it is that it's an industry that anybody can come into and, and, and find success. So I think that I love that about it. And tell, like, okay, so how are you currently marketing to pick up more units? You know, how are you just working with the owners? You already have a base set of owners or are you still actively marketing? So most of my owners have come through referrals or through finding us like through Yelp. Um, one thing I've really tried to do is get guests leaving reviews on Yelp as well to kind of help us build that piece. So if they have a really good stay and leave a good review on Airbnb, we'll reach out and see if they'll go out of their way to leave us a Yelp review. And so we've had a lot of owners that have found us organically through Yelp um, and signed up that way. So six of our owners have come through either Yelp or a referral. Um, we haven't done any outbound marketing yet, but that's gonna be coming up in spring. Um, we'll start doing some more direct marketing campaigns, very targeted, so it's word of mouth right now. I think I've always said operations is the best marketing in vacation rentals. If you're, if you're providing value for the owners and the guests are having a good time, owners will find you. Um, I think it's pretty easy to sign owners up. I think just being realistic with the expectations and executing, that's you know the, the challenging part. Yeah, you dropped a gem. I had never thought to use Yelp. I, whenever I think of Yelp, I think of food. And so most I, people I, think of complaining. Yeah, yeah. that too. I think so if like, you can get ahead of the game and get those reviews before the complaints, because the, the Yelpers are going to come at some point. It's like, if, but if you can just get ahead of them with a few good reviews that you know had quality time, um, I think that's, that's important. So it's not all the Yelpers. So what you're Some doing, the helpers. On, you're just going on there. You, you'd sign your company up to be on there, right? And yeah. Like if you Google Patriot okay. vacation rentals, big bear Lake, um, you'll see the Yelp page and you can click on it and you'll see some guests that left us reviews. You know, they, they canceled because of COVID outside of Airbnb's policy. We could have kept the money. Like a lot of companies did. We called them and said, Hey, we totally empathize with your situation but this could cost us and the owner some money. If you would feel like leaving us a review on Yelp, that would be appreciated, but you don't have to. Here's your $3,700 back. And nine times out of 10, they go leave a great review on Yelp. So that's how you can do guests that don't even stay. You know, They didn't even stay with us. They don't qualify for an Airbnb review, but we still got a Yelp review out of them. Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a huge gem. I picked up, you know, at Vacasa learning early on how valuable the reviews were um, to the overall revenue for each unit. I saw how intensely they focused, you know, we were focusing on that. So that's something I've always looked at. You really want to capture those good reviews. They're worth a lot. Hmm. So what, what did the guys at Vacasa think that you were starting your own um, management company? Well, I left them years. I mean, there's a pretty large gap mm. between, you know, and I have non-competes non and non, there, there's, you know, there's things I need to be careful of doing. And I am, I respect them um, and what they're doing. I just think that, you know, I don't do well working for people. Um, I think, you know, I, I like to do my own thing and kind of uh, make my own decisions. And this was a way for me to 
not only set the expectations with the owners, but more importantly, make sure that I'm following through with them. Um, and, and I'm able to really do that now as the, as the owner of the company. Hmm. Nice. But I'm sure they're supportive. So I think that, you know, the industry is at a place where we, the operators, big and small, determine the future of our industry. Um, I think that, you know, it, vacation rentals could get shut down in a lot more areas. Um, you know, Big Bear Lake is even redoing some of their ordinances because of the uptick in parties. And those usually stem from homes that maybe aren't managed the way they should be or responsibly with respect to the rest of the community. So I think that as operators, we have a obligation to really push that we are responsible and we do care about the neighbors and, you know, 99% of us do, I think. So I think drowning out the 1% um, is important for us over the next few years. And I think companies big and small have an obligation to do that at the small level, but at the local and, you know, the, the, the government level as well to, to make sure that we're able to keep operating. So that brings me up to the next point. What would, what's your, as a management company, cause you guys have less risk, but like, what is your exit strategy? As far as, I mean, for me, I'd like to, the homes that I'm signing and, you know, especially under with Patriot as a very, we give back a lot, very veteran initiative focused. Um, that's a huge for me. That's what, you know, really motivates me. I, I would like that to be around for as long as the vacation rental industry is around. I want to build a sustainable company where the employees that are W2 employees that I have, you know, have benefits. They're able to, you know, take care of their families and progress within a company. Um, so that, I mean, that's, that's kind of my exit there is just building something that is sustainable at some level without too much overhead. Um, I, I want to build a conscious business that isn't just burning through cash because I can, you know, so I want to mm. take care of the owners and that sort of thing. Nice. Nice. Are you running like a mostly debt-free business? Yeah. hundred percent debt. I don't even have a company credit card. <laughs> wow. It's all debit, one debit card. <laughs> I mean, that'll change, but I, I really, you know, early on, it's important for me to be involved as much as I can and make sure that we're making the decisions that, you know, I have promised the owners we would be with their best interests in mind. So, you know, I, I like every owner feels like the only owner. That's kind of my mantra with all my owners. They could call me at any time. You know, I got calls on Thanksgiving, on weekends, just to talk about even things other than vacation rentals. Um, so that's a huge part of it for me, just the whole relationship side. Nice. And, and I've noticed that too, because like, um, it's funny because, you know, when I was setting up my, my own arbitrages at first and, and doing things like that, I was using, you know, hitting the credit card, paying someone to go and design them and, and just, oh, oh, they spent that much. Okay, well, it's on a credit card, zero interest credit card, I'll pay it back whenever. And then, um, but when I started uh, partnering with my buddy, you know, Federico, we, we started getting some arbitrages of our own. I told him, you know what, I want to try to be as, as debt free as possible. And I said, and then so, I mean, at first it was like, okay, 
how are we going to get a unit up and running? We, it, it caused us to be more creative, you know, it caused us to talk to the owner. Hey, you know, can we, can we um, go ahead and get in there a few weeks early? Can we go ahead and do this? Is, is, you can leave the place furnished. We'll, you know, we, we'll do, you know, it caused us to look at furnished places already. And, and instead of just saying, oh, you know, I'm just going to get any apartment or any, you know, condo. And I'm just, I got like, I got access to a hundred thousand dollars in debt. I'm just going to go ahead and and spend 10 or 20 grand on there you know it kind of makes yeah. you lazy because it's like easy i got the money's right here i'll pay it back later but when you you know you have a specific amount of money to work with it causes you to like think outside the box how can i get in there as cheaply and efficiently as possible and then um and you're and it changes your whole mindset and, and you start operating a little bit more efficiently like a, like a machine just what i've noticed you know instead of instead of using debt yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think that for arbitrage, you know, I consulted with a few arbitrage companies that were managing, you know, north of 100 units. And, you know, I would always recommend diversifying into some, you know, single family uh, revenue share management. And that can allow you to build some cash flow that you can then put into the arbitrage model. Um, so I think that's a way to look at it too, building up a little cash, you know, like a little hybrid model, but yeah, I mean, I agree. It's, it's very, it's a volatile industry, it, a volatile time in general. And then with too much debt, it's, you know, you, we've seen how fast some companies have shut their doors during the pandemic. Um, but it's a heavy cash industry as well. Uh, you know, it's, it, it takes a lot of cash for the arbitrage. So I love what y'all brought that up because it goes back to this episode we had with Alvin Hope Johnson. He said, I have keep a water, he lost everything, got it all back, but he goes, I keep a waterfall of cash now. So on the back end, I got something that's just cash flowing. You know, you got to have that. that. That is very important. Very Definitely. important. Yeah. And I've noticed with mine, like, we start, we start making some profit from the next one or, or we get like a long-term renter with, you know, they give us a, you know, thousand dollar deposit. They give first month's rent and all this stuff. I was like, Oh, okay. We got, we can go ahead and start the next one with this money, you know, and then start cash flow on that one. And then some get someone in there for three months, six months with their money. We can start the next one. It's kind of like, yeah, we're using that cash flow to, to start the next one instead of just, you know, putting it all on a credit card or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a good idea too. Just, you know, and then the good thing is you're kind of refining, you know, you're iterating on the ops side and, you know, some metrics to track that I started tracking was like um, time to live. So from the time you're first able to start getting the homes onboarded, how long it takes you to actually go live with it and then time to revenue. So the time from the time you go live to the time you're first getting revenue and then from the time of when you start to revenue, I would look at those metrics as well and then see where you can kind of refine that process and, you know, start cash flowing a little sooner, maybe. Exactly. And, and that's the thing too, because like, like, for example, if I spent five grand to start off a one, one bedroom condo back in the day, zero just credit card, I might not make that five grand back until like month five or month six or longer than that, you know, and I'm just, that's right. just to pay off the debt. And then I can start actually making profit. Whereas now I've, you know, we switched it to finding places that are already furnished and we, you know, negotiate with the people to leave the stuff there and month one or two, we're already profiting. It's, it's like, yeah, it totally changes yeah, how you think when you, when you don't, I, I guess sometimes I think that debt makes us a little lazy. 
Yeah. I mean, I think some is necessary early on. I think even with the management model, I was, you know, there were weeks where I was like, Oh, this is going to be a tough payroll, but you know, it was early and you know, I knew I was going in in the middle of COVID. I knew that even making it to December was uncertain. So that was for, for me, it was like, that's how I like it. I kind of operate a little bit better in a little bit of chaos with like, I don't want to say my back against the wall type thing, but yeah, I mean, when there's a little pressure on, I feel like that's where I get the best results out of myself. So it's a timing thing. You know, mm. if it takes you five months to get the 5k or two months can also be kind of a timing thing in the market, like when you're going live with the units and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of considerations, man. That's what I love about the industry. It's, you know, it's complex people. You wouldn't think how complex it is, but you know, when you start digging in the weeds, it's complex for sure. Mm. And plus, I mean, you talk about chaotic situations or whatever. I mean, you're coming from the military, so this is probably nothing compared to what, what you've been through. <laughs> uh, well, you'd be surprised because you're kind of built for it. Like that's, you know, that's your comfort zone a little. So I've had days, I've had stressful days in the vacation industry where I'm like, whew, man, send me back to <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, but really though, I mean, there are some overlaps where, you know, stress is stress. I think that, you know, people deal with it differently. Um, but I definitely think that housekeepers could be under just as much stress as someone, you know, doing something that people would say is more stressful. Um, so I think, you know, it just kind of depends, but yeah, the military definitely prepared me for making decisions under pressure um, that have consequences. I think I'm a lot more comfortable just making a decision without having to think too fast. Um, you know, that's probably the biggest benefit decision-making. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, and I guess in, in life, there's good stress and bad stress, right? I guess bad stress would be something, stressing over something you can't do nothing about. And good right. stress is a situation where, oh, shit, we got to make payroll. We got to do this. We got to get these units going. And you got to, you know, a few day, you know, a few weeks to do it. You got to figure it out. But you, at least you have some control. And it's a good stress. It pushes you to, to think outside of the totally. box and try to yeah, accomplish things. Yeah. And I have to reframe that just for me because I'll start going down that, like, you know, where I start maybe making things a little more stressful than they are because of maybe past experiences. And I'll have to say, I'll have to reframe it and say, you know, you don't have to do this. You get to do this. You know, a few years ago, you would have wished you could be doing this right now. So I think, yeah, just, you know, reframing, it's all about perspective. So I think, you know, when you look at it that way, it's um, spot on, Steve, for sure. Mm -hmm. Nice. So what advice would you have like to our fans and listeners, like how to get started in this um, short-term rental industry? I mean, I think, you know, get educated is a big part. I think there's a lot of um, educational information around how to sign new units up um, is probably the most common educational piece I've seen. I think that people will find that's the easier part. I think dig a little deeper and start doing some operations research get on like the operations website, like Breezeway, look at some of their tutorials, maybe just because they're on a, a, a Breezeway or VR schedulers website, it's a lot of industry knowledge. 
So I think getting on the different channels and really inundating yourself with the knowledge is important because when you get in front of these homeowners, they're going to expect you to have a high level of knowledge when they start asking questions because many of them have been managing themselves for a few years. Um, so I think get educated, start planting the seeds for the relationships that you want to grow. Um, some of your best homeowners that you sign in two or three years, you're going to meet today or tomorrow. It can be a nurturing relationship. So start planting seeds and, um, you know, set, set clear expectations. I think owners, they are very optimistic at times and they will believe a lot of what we tell them as management companies. And I think just making sure you're setting very clear expectations um, is critical for, for growth and for starting out because you can lose owners just as fast as you sign them. Mm. That's good information right there. Yeah. Anything to add, Micah? No, nah, that, that was, that, that was really good stuff. Cause I, I definitely just looked up breezeway. It's definitely stuff that I need to look into. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, you're a wealth of knowledge, man. And I, by the way, we met him off clubhouse as well. So he, he's a yes, wealth sir. of knowledge. So. Definitely. Yeah, no, super thankful I met you guys, man. Looking forward to getting out that way once COVID's over, too. Oh, oh yeah, nice. Yeah. For sure. Definitely come out, have a drink, or do what we can do, hang and talk some chop. <laughs> yeah, so, so where can folks find you, Kevin? Well, so my website's patriotvr.com. Um, you can find me at uh, my link tree is linktree.com forward slash Kevin Knight. That has all the links to, you know, my own personal pages, my LinkedIn, my website, uh, you know, even like a poker page. And then I've got some deals for like Price Labs, Rank Breeze, um, some other sites that folks can, can look at and, and, and check out. So you're a poker player. I am. I try to be. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm a good one, but I do like playing tournament poker. Like online or at the casinos or what? I play online, but I've, I've, I've played in the World Series of poker. Really? Um, so not the main event, but, you know, they run about 50 events during the World Series. I played in three of them. I cashed in one of them. Um, so, nice. I mean, I can, I can do all right if I get real lucky and then playing <laughs> against really bad players. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's fun, man. Yeah, you know, I, I, I fancy myself a decent poker player. And, and, and it's, it is cool. It's, in a way, it – it prepares you how to talk to how to talk to and, and look for signs and people when you're when you know, like you said, homeowners, or people you're trying to do business with, you know, it kind of helps you keep your cool and then see see how they're reacting to what you're saying, you know, poker kind of helps teach you that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely, man. No, we'll have to play too, man. If you guys ever come out to Vegas, for sure. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll play some online poker too. My dad likes to play too. get a room or something. Yeah, they got the WSOP online out here. You can play for real money. Oh, nice. Oh, dang. Yeah, they had the World <laughs> Series because they canceled the live one, so they had it all online, all bracelet events. So, yeah, there's tournaments going every every day on there. Cool, cool. Ooh, check that out. Yeah, man. I, I, now, you also have to give me the inside gems on Breezeway. So, yeah, this is a dope platform. I'm definitely signing up for a demo. Yeah, man. And reach out Vincent. Actually, I'll email you too. I'll connect you with him directly. Okay. If you want. So yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll connect you with Vincent for sure. Perfect. That sounds good, man.
thank you for coming on and uh, providing value, man. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, you guys right. are great, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Micah. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. No problem. Thanks. You are out. Later. All right, Stevie Stacks, let's go. How another <laughs> great episode. Yeah, the awkward dismounts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's a great show. Uh, Kevin was a great guest. He dropped some insight on us. And um, Breezeway, I, I did circle that because I was like, why does he keep mentioning Breezeway? What is that about? And then uh, you're over there looking it up. So you, I guess yeah. that's a pretty cool site. See, that's what I was looking at. That's why I was asking about his operations, man, because I'm like, I got to find a way. You got to find a way once you're expanded to have everything just streamlined. So I really am trying to, I'm trying to replace myself right now. So I'm like trying to find all the tools to where I can just hand it off to my assistant. They take care of everything. So this looks like it's pretty dope. So yeah, man. Oh, nice. And you, are you still um, studying to get your, uh, to sell houses? To, um, get my license? license? Yeah. Yes, sir. I, I actually started reading today. After I finished my book, I started reading today on my real estate. So I'm on that real tough. Uh, yeah, I'm going all in. <laughs> it's not like you didn't have enough stuff to do already, huh? Yeah, I ain't. <laughs> so I'm trying to offset stuff so I don't have a lot of stuff. To do. So, uh, but yeah, man, once I get that license, I've been pretty excited about the opportunities that I see. Uh, so, yeah. Cool, cool. So you're heading out Thursday. Yeah, yeah, Vegas. heading out Thursday, heading to Vegas. We'll be there for Mahogany's oh. birthday for four days. Uh, nice. Staying in our own Airbnb out there. So, yeah, doing that. That is cool, man. Yeah, Federico will be in town for this week and next week. So, we got to do a, a show. He'll be here Federico. next week, too, right? Yeah, yeah. When's he leave? Mm, I know he's. I know he's still got over almost two weeks left here. So oh, we, yeah, yeah. Next week when I come back, man, this, we got to hang out. We got to do it. Yeah, talk to our man in Buenos Aires is here. So. Yes, sir. We got to get him on and uh, talk talk shop with him because, uh, yeah, he's doing a hell of a job. He's a hell of a job, man. So, so y'all picking up more units in Dallas? Yeah, yeah. We're getting one ready right now. Well, we just got one ready and got a three-month person put in there. You know, I, yeah, I told you I like that model better, you know, throwing someone in there, forgetting about it. It's a lot easier, less, less headache, a lot less work. And as, um, hey, less work and you still get good money, that's that's the way to do it, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, I'm, uh, we got eight on the line, but I'm like, I'm not, not sold on them because I don't like their certain, there's a lot of red tape. So I, when there's red tape, I'm like, nowadays, I when I first started, I would go through that. Now I'm like, if you can't meet the needs of what I need, then I'm not touching it. So mm. got quite a few on the line. So I'm just like, hey. yeah, we're starting to see a little of the red flags early on to like, Hey, we're going to need the information of your guests that are going to be staying here, stuff like that. I'm like, like pet vaccines, shit like that. Like, come <laughs> on, man. What are, they, what are you worried about here? Come on. Pet <laughs> vaccines? Like, dogs got COVID? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, I want our, our our listeners to know, man. If it's just too much red tape, but just back out of the deal. It ain't worth it. Like it, like Steve said, you can go find somewhere that's fully furnished. It's so many different models. Don't, don't waste mm. your time on that red tape crap, man. Like when I, they said dog vaccines, I'm like, the f okay. You know, you know, I, I know you've um you've already probably because you've done arbitraging for a while now. But what I've noticed, man, it's just like how many of these apartment complexes. It seems like they only have like one worker there that you try to message back and forth with and it's oh you know i can't you know i can't tomorrow or i can't the next you know until next week because uh 
I don't know, my daughter's recital or I got this or I'm going out of town. I'm like, is not anybody else working at the damn office? You know, I run oh, in this. You got to climb that corporate ladder. Yeah, you yeah. got to go above them. That's what we've been finding. You just go, go above them. So we got this deal where uh, our guy, he just went above everybody. He's like, look, I need a corporate lease. This is how many units we want. And then they put us up with the corporate people. And they're like, oh, okay, this is what you're trying to do. Yeah, you can't call that dude at the front desk. Dude might not be there one day. Management might change. Yeah, no, don't call that dude at the front desk, man. <laughs> that's what I call him, the dude at the front desk, man. The dude at the front desk. That's hardly ever there, man. Oh, yeah, you got you to gotta go above. I'm like, man, let me speak to your manager. You hear some, some chickens in the background. That dude might even be in the Philippines or something. <laughs> For real, yeah, man. You gotta, yeah, don't, don't. The dude at the front office, that ain't the one you want to talk to. So how do you, how do you, how do you go up the corporate ladder? Uh, just let them know what you want. Like, hey, tell the person at the front desk, the dude at the front desk, like, look, man, we need fifteen leases. He's gonna be like, oh, what the hell? You know, you gotta throw something big and crazy at him. You know, just mm. so you know, like, hey, get me to someone who can get this deal closed. Then you pitch your whatever you're pitching. You know. Uh, first thing I tell people, get on the phone and just ask if they're doing corporate leases. If they say no, go to the next one. Um, getting the yes, and I was, I was just talking to a friend of mine, uh, Mike, um, uh, ex-football player. I was talking to him, and he was talking about it, and he was just asking me. I was like, yeah, man, it, getting the yes is pretty easy, but having you just have to have everything lined up. Your Dunn's number, have your business structure set up, and that's where I find a lot of people, they don't have a business structure, just business structure in general, and I was telling like, a guy was saying earlier on Airbnb on Facebook, they were like, yeah, you don't need to run background checks, man. Airbnb will do all that for you. I'm like, man, you got to get out the Airbnb train, dude. <laughs> that that way is all over with, man. You got to have your own business nowadays. So business structure is huge. Yeah, the chaotic hosts, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like uh, Eric called them, the chaotic hosts. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. I'm like, man, people don't strive for the business structure, you know? Mm. That's yeah. why I loved his, uh, uh, Kevin. He was talking about the business structure. I have Breezeway. I have Tregesti. And the, the one thing about Gesty, I will say, I wasn't happy with him, but maybe with the right business model, maybe from a management business model, Gesty might be perfect. Because if you think about it, if you're, they only take 1%. And if mm-hmm. you're taking 20% and that's all you're doing, you 19% and they do everything for you, might be a hell of a trade-off. That's true, right? That's true. Cool, yeah. man. But yeah, man. Good show. Uh, where Good can they show. catch you, Steve? At livethatthrive.com, livethatthrive at gmail.com. Uh, we're on all the sites, the IGs, we're on the Facebooks, we're on the um, clubhouses. We're, we're everywhere, man. You can't miss us. Live That Thrive. Leave us a review somewhere. Hopefully, yeah, leave it on iTunes. That would be a great, way, great place to leave it. We're loving the reviews that are out there, most of them. And uh, <laughs> even, hey, even a bad review, it, you know, helps us. Okay, we're doing that wrong. Ah, yeah, screw you, anyways. But we're still gonna do. We're still gonna keep it real. But we like hearing, you know, we like hearing people's opinions. Oh, bad. <laughs> Just send us an email, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, are you, are you gonna get the COVID? Uh, one of the vaccines? No. No. Okay. <laughs> it's not controversial. It's not controversial. Uh, I was. It's funny. Yesterday, I was at the. <laughs> This is a funny story. We were at the the IKEA. Me and me and Federico were at the IKEA. You know, two dudes shopping at IKEA. Whatever. And, and, we're, <laughs> and we're, we're sitting outside eating some pretzels. You know, right that out front because I guess you got to take your food outside now. Whatever it is. And uh, and, and this brother man come up to us. He goes, 
I didn't know if he was homeless. I don't know what he, you know, he just, he just, he just come up with, Hey, Hey, my brothers, uh, y'all didn't get the kill shot. Did you? I was like, uh, the what? The kill shot. He goes, yeah, that COVID vaccine. Y'all didn't get the kill shot. Did you? I was like, no, no, sir. He's like, Oh man, don't get it, man. That's straight up killing people. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, I was having fun with him. I was like, yeah, man, that's what I heard. It killed Hank Aaron. He's like, yeah, man. <laughs> He goes, he got the first shot and the next, he got the next shot and it killed him the next day. It's killing people. Don't take that kill shot. <laughs> We're dying. Dude. Kill the kill. <laughs> oh, man. Steve's crazy as shit. Uh, <laughs> I've been listening. I've been, I've been reading about it a little bit. I, I might, I might go ahead and get it, man. It's, it's not, it's not, yeah, I might go ahead and get it. Go Plus, ahead, it uh, man. Do you think, man? I got to We got to go back and forth to Mexico a lot. It's gonna help us yes. with our travels and stuff like that. You know, we don't have to quarantine if we get it. It is. You know, I'm going to Mexico in May. Okay. And cool. uh, 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 past guest uh, Amanda, I saw her. You know, you have to get a COVID swab just to you know you have to scratch your brain up a little bit just to come back into the country. Right, uh, right. She, she showed the process. So yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, but do, do you have to? Can you bypass that if you get a COVID vaccine? That's what they're saying. Yeah, when you don't have to, do, when you come back, you don't have to quarantine for fourteen days if you have if you have the vaccine. Now, right now, they're, they're yeah, they're recommending it when I come back from from here from yeah from over Mexico, I have to quarantine for fourteen days unless I have the vaccine and I can go straight back to work. Now, the thing is, most people didn't, won't even won't tell their they don't have to tell their jobs where they're going, whatever. I, I fly on my on my jobs tickets, so they know <laughs> they know where I'm going. So it's a little bit of a different a different deal so and my wife was explaining it to me and i've been listening you know the podcast and i've been reading a little bit about it and i'm like you know it's it, my mom got the two shots and she's old as she's old you know real old and she uh -huh. didn't affect her at all she feels great so okay i'm leaning towards it i'm leaning towards it yeah once you get yours man i might have to get one of your fake vax cards and put my name on it so i can roll to mexico <laughs> 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 you already know that's about it I'm telling people right now, if they start mandating like in and out of the country, I, I could see some fake back scars thrown through. Oh man, I bet it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big thing. Um, there was the, traveling to uh, when I I was at the airport the other day. You know, I worked there and and, um, and I was walking around upstairs on my lunch break, and there was this. It was a CVS. It was like a little area at the airport. It was like a CVS. I had like um, I had like dividers and stuff, and, and like a little. There's a desk right there, and it said COVID. Um, uh, covid tests rapid covid tests i was like so i talked to the i talked to the girl that was there there was no line or nothing i said like, oh so you got you got rapid, rapid tests right here he goes yeah yeah it's mostly for people that are going you know to hawaii or, or certain certain countries that you have to have you know hawaii's not another country but yeah. they require a, a covid test you know within 72 hours of your flight or whatever yeah. and um and I was like, oh, cool. So is it free? <laughs> She's like, oh, no, it's like $250. <laughs> but you imagine the people getting there for their Hawaii trip and say, oh, by the way, some people that don't read or don't check it, uh, you know, need to yeah, but you still, what are you going to do? Cancel your whole Hawaii trip? They're going to make some money off that freaking COVID shit, man. <laughs> See, and that's why I tell people, man, I don't think they'll force the vaccine, but they can, they can push it. You know, you know, they can push it. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I might go get mine. Me, me and my husband will think about it. It is funny. Like, I like how you were saying, like, we were in, I went to Walgreens the other day and it was an older lady walking around with no mask. Man, I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, she took the governor Abbott's word to heart and said, fuck this. 
So I was like, damn, you know, and I'm sitting there and like, I'm behind her in line, you know, and um, she starts talking to the cashier. She goes, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I forgot my mask. And I was like, oh, okay. She forgot. So I'm listening to her and she's like, but I promise I'm vaccinated. She pulled out her Vax card, showed her. She's like, oh no, no, you're fine. You're fine. You know? So I guess like those Vax cards, people keeping them on them, like their credit card, you know, like the show their proof of moving around. But I don't, I don't know how those are going to play out in the future, but we'll see. Yeah, this, the CD said if you get your vaccines, you, you don't have to, you know, social distance. You don't got to wear masks no more. They're like, damn. I know. It's all shady. It's all... Emperor has no clothes, but we can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see on this one, man. We'll have to see, man. But, Ooh. yeah, man, we, we always love talking shop on uh, Live, Let, Thrive, so... Uh... Yes, sir. It'll be oh. fun when we get Fede on here. One last thing. Do you think we're hitting a a housing crisis? Hmm. <sighs> That's a good I'm, question. I'm going to tell, tell you what I mean by it, but I'm going to let you answer first. I mean, <laughs> the government money got to run out sometimes, right? It's propping everything up. So when they stop, you know, printing trillions and giving people money, and giving them six hundred dollars on top of their unemployment, it might it might get a little it might get a little bad, it might get a little rough. Yeah, because I'm noticing with this 1031, bro. I thought Texas was the only place they're sitting here overbidding on houses. Man, they're doing it everywhere, and it's mm-hmm. getting stupidly crazy. Like, I'm gonna tell you how crazy it got. So, I um, I've been I've been dog. I, I've probably put in about ten offers the last week. On houses, just ten straight offers over the asking price, like two, three thousand over the asking price. Nothing crazy and stupid. These other people putting in like ten, and they're getting them right. But like, I put in an offer today, and I think I don't know if it's maybe maybe some discriminatory shit going on in the background. I don't know. But so the the the, the realtor comes back. She goes, this seller's agent's asking for some kind of weird stuff. She goes, she's asking for you to show proof of funds. So I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. I sent her my 1031 letter, right? And then she comes back and says, well, she wants the full cash amount. I'm like, but I'm getting it financed. And my realtor was like, I know, but that's what she's asking for. I'm like, are they just like saying, F it, I'm only taking cash offers, which they can't legally by law do that. But I'm like, what's going on? But these houses are getting like sniped up and she could, but the realtor comes back and tells me a lot of people's, money is falling through, you know, the finance is falling through. So I'm like, mm. hmm, what's going on? So I, I don't know. But even, even my refi I did, man, it took, it took a long ass time to get that done. We just literally got it done two weeks ago. Mm. And it took months. But it seems like there's not enough housing going on. Like maybe I think kind of Alvin kind of touched on it a little bit. He goes, man, we need more houses. And maybe we're running into that because these houses on the market a day, gone. And this is in Arkansas, you know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. Because I, I know you haven't been in the buying game, right? So, Not really, man. Everything was so freaking high. And, um, yeah, yeah it's, and then I got into the arbitrage thing. I'm like, man, I could rent a place cheaper than buying a place, you know, than putting a mortgage on a place. And my mortgage would be higher than renting at a home, you know, a nice home. And, you know, that, that used to be the big, huge selling point of buying a house, right? Hey, you, you can rent cheaper than where you live, right? But that's not even the no. case anymore. You can literally go get a three-bedroom apartment cheaper than a house. Exactly. You know, and you ain't got to do no maintenance. You're not building no equity, but still. Yeah, you're not. 
well, you buy, you, you're a real estate investor. You're getting your equity through the investment side, right? So go. even if you think about the equity, is the equity worth, you buy in this house, you put 5%, 5 to 10% down, you buy the house, and then some shit breaks. You got to fix it. If you live in there, you know, it ain't no house hack. What's the point of owning a home? Here's the thing also, because, and I think the, the major thing, if you ever, you ever go to the Zillow and you play around with that mortgage thing at the bottom, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it'll tell you the mortgage, oh, it's only 900 a month. But you tax click on the thing interest. to add the taxes and insurance. <laughs> that shit shoots up to like 1900 a month. And I'm See? like, and it keeps going up every year. Taxes and insurance keep going up. And with this big freeze and all the pipes bursting, who's going to pay for that? We're going to pay for that shit. It, our shit doubled for Katrina. Imagine this thing. It's going to like, man, get ready for your mortgage, all your mortgages to go up, dude. Dude, you're, you're making a good point. And I'm thinking about that shit. I'm like, dude, would it be easier to just rent out my house and just go live in an apartment? Shit break. They got to fix it. Grant, Grant Cardone style. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's what he's saying. If, if shit breaks in this house, you got to fix that shit. So oh, you tell the, tell the renters to do it? <laughs> no, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay. even, but even yeah. if you have renters, you at least bring in generating cash flow, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay, I, I'll take a hit on my cash flow. Here, you're taking a hit on everything. It's your shit. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, you know, and then my neighbors, they're selling their damn house. And they're moving to Waxahachie, which is kind of outside of the area, you know, a little bit further out. But I'm just thinking that, man, like, Maybe this house owning shit, because right now I'm about to do about $5,000 worth of work in my house, get some holes patched up, uh, you know, uh, get my office enclosed. And I'm like, man, I wonder if renting an apartment is cheap, because I think renting is ultimately cheaper. Right now it is. Even yeah. if you take the rent, rent, lights, water, gas, maintenance, there is no maintenance because they got to cover it. Yeah. You know? rent, Grant Cardone rents a badass luxury apartment. In in um or condo in um in Miami, he ain't, exactly. he ain't buying it. Some breaks they oh. gotta fix it. <laughs> you have to, could we be say is a home really equity or just a money pit? It's your biggest liability until you're making money off of it, right? Until you rent it. Until or, you rent it. Because I'm, I'm what seven. I am doing. I am doing a HELOC on it, but I'm like, man, it. Because I, I, by the way, we should have did that a long time ago. Get it. it uh, my new thing is get a HELOC on your primary, everything else, cash out refis. But yeah, I should get that a long ass time ago. I never thought about that. Mm. You know, might as well use your home as leverage. Get Let your HELOC set you up rentals, arbitrages, whatever you want. And then uh, let it cash flow the house. That's the only way I yeah. can see it. And, that, and then if you look at it that way yeah okay your primary home is is kind of like your bank yeah you get yeah. that instead of renting an apartment you don't you, you know you can't use any of that stuff that's true that's true but yeah, yeah. i just kind of wanted to throw it out there because i've just been noticing real weird shit in the housing market man i'm just like yo this is getting crazy there's no houses available man man i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm looking at the it's 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 crazy because I'm looking at, you know, Zillow every day. And as far as trying to rent a house now, I'm like, well, that might be the, that might be the play, man. The rental prices, since so many people are trying to do rental houses. Now the prices have dropped Like really? you can get into a place for like, whereas a few months back before this COVID shit, 
I mean, people were wanting like $1,900, $2,000 for these particular houses I was looking at or 2000 or more. And now they're asking for those same ones around 15, 1600, maybe 1700. So they're dropping their, cause there's so many people now in the rental game and there's like a race to the bottom. So, I mean, I can, mm. I can arbitrage some pretty good deals right now. Now, have you been doing houses or are you just still doing like the apartments? Uh, we're still doing the condos, um, but I'm looking to do get into the house, the housing part of it. And I like how Kevin said that too. The thing I like about houses is too, you can increase that KPI. Like I just did that on my houses in Arkansas. I said, man, I'm, I'm going to see if I can make $3,000 a month. And I just went to price labs and adjusted the price as to where my bare minimum is going to be 3000 a month due to the pricing. And I'm going to see if it works. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is a good thing about houses too. And I see, I didn't even know, I haven't been looking at the housing here, like the arbitrage game here, like on the house side yet, but it's been on my to-do list, but I didn't know that they were dropping like in Grand Prairie too. Yeah. That's where I'm looking. Grand Prairie. Yeah. The rental prices are dropping. And so many people, it's the bigger pocket effect. You know, everybody's buying houses. Everybody wants to put their money into something that ain't cash because they're putting trillions of dollars every every day. They're going to, every other week. They, I mean, it's, your cash is turning into trash, literally monopoly money. Might as well put it into an, some, an asset that's going to appreciate, right? Wow. I did not, man. You really put me on some game tonight, Steve. I did not know the housing <laughs> prices. But it, it, it goes into what I was saying, man. It's just like, it just doesn't seem like it's enough housing available. And I feel like we're running into that situation. Uh, people's got to shack up in apartments, what it seemed like. Right, right. And then what's going to happen if these people written out their houses and dropping the prices, they're going to start getting, God dang it, I need to get someone in there. And they're going to overlook some credit stuff on people's, on people's uh, credit reports just to get someone in there, right? And man, they're in for a rude awakening when they start doing that. See, and, and what I, I think we're running into is that you're, this, might, this is a perfect time to arbitrage perfect time to arbitrage if you can go in there you're a liable company you know um it's a perfect time and I, I like how you you guys brought up the no debt a business with no debt you know what i mean i was like that's a good idea you know you know if you're a no debt yeah. business that's and, th- and that's what i because like i said i used it you know for the first few and you know you know getting sarah to, to decorate them and stuff she did a badass job but i put on zero interest credit card i'm like ah, i just pay it later so i didn't really care what the budget was but when we got something, we can see exactly how much cash we got and how much we can spend. And hey, uh, let's not do that. Let's, let's, let's try something else. And how are we going to get into a place and fully furnish it? And we're going to spend less than $5,000. Well, if it's already fully furnished, we spend $0. You know, it, it, it just changes your mind how to look for uh, different types of deals, right? Excellent. And because and, um, like I said, it, it, with that debt, I was just lazy. I, was like, I just put on the credit card. Yeah, whatever you want to go buy. You know, I don't care if that... <laughs> then I got the bill. I was like, God dang, I never even spent that much money on my own, <laughs> on yeah. my own furniture at home. This is kind of crazy for a one, a one bedroom freaking condo. But yeah, because um, the five down in Houston, we I, I still owe sixteen k in total. Mm. But it's all business debt though, so yeah. it, it it's different if it's on your personal. But if it's all business debt, it's a little bit of a you know because you know you can you got cash flow to cover it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is. That is better because like right now, because of these next eight, if, if I decide to take it on, I would probably do a 0% APR business credit card and I already have the lady waiting. Um, and relationship building is huge. I would tell people that too, because then you can get like access to capital real quick. But yeah, you're right. You become very, what is the word I'm looking for? Creative when you don't have, and you have to, you know, work things out. It's just like the power, it's the power of broke. Is essentially the power of broke. It's exactly. the power of broke. It's exactly. Yeah, what it I is. like that. 
Yeah, you you got to learn how to you got to figure out a way to do it. You know. Yep, I like that. So, but yeah, I just want to throw that housing thing at you to see your your mind on it. But I'm definitely about to be looking at some houses now since you said that. I'm like, oh shit, (laughs) (laughs) definitely. Cool, man. Great episode. We are out. Later. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.